You're listening to the Bulldog Hour, getting you inside the Wilson football program with weekly game previews, recaps, highlights, and interviews. Now, here are your hosts, Joe Mays and Justin Raffoff. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Bulldog Hour. I am one of your hosts, Joe Mays, and here with me, as he usually is, someone I don't want to do the show without, is my co-host, Justin Raffoff. I wasn't sure where you were going with that. I thought it was just going to stop someone I don't want to do the show with. Someone I, I just, don't need to see again ever. Right. I, I was like, oh, man. Like, <laughs> Usually that would have been reserved for like uh, Eagles playing the Dolphins or something like that. But anyway, uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's uh, great to be here. Yeah, it's been a weird week three for everyone for a variety of reasons. It still is. Weird. It, it still is a weird week three for the Bulldogs. Justin and I weren't sure if we were going to be doing this show this evening. I wish I wish I could have captured your face <laughs> last night. Yeah, I had to think through when you were like, wait, what are we going to do about the show? Like, yeah, it kind of came over me as the uh, raindrops were hitting us as we were trying to leave after what was about an hour delay when the game was called. I guess we're bearing the lead. The Bulldogs didn't finish a game yet. Yeah. We're still trying to play. That's going to happen tomorrow, Monday, September 11th, 4 o'clock restart. The Bulldogs played Cheltenham, not MLK. Another thing we'll be talking about shortly. But that game was supposed to start at 6. It was delayed, kicked off at 6.46. We played for a quarter and a few minutes. And with 8.02 left in the second quarter, the game was paused due to storms, which were electric. When they came through. Yeah. And honestly, I was surprised at the amount of rain that we ended up getting then too. Um, relatively short period of time. Yeah, it was uh, a lot. But it was it was raining real hard. So a lot has happened this week in relation to scheduling for the Bulldogs. Uh, none of it really in their control. Uh, but Justin and I don't have enough inside working knowledge of how all this goes down. And while obviously the coaching staff, and in particular Doug Doms, has some say in the matter, he's not the guy that has all the information or, or the, all the necessary organizational things to do when it comes to rescheduling a game, finding a new opponent, dealing with weather issues. But we, uh, we asked the guy who does have to deal with that to come on the show tonight. Uh, and we are going to speak with... Wilson Athletic Director Drew Kaufman, who is on the phone with us right now. Drew, thanks for joining the Bulldog Hour. Hey, guys. Uh, thanks for having me. I've watched your show many a times, and uh, it's great to finally be a part of it, um, albeit over the phone. But um, glad to be here, and I appreciate you uh, reaching out today to ask me to come on. Yeah, Drew, we've been talking about getting you on the show for a few years now. It hasn't worked out, but we are glad you're able to join us on the May Sandwich Shop hotline this evening. Get, the, get Don't get to use that on the Bulldog ever very often. So uh, it is great. We, we appreciate you taking the time here to just kind of talk about the logistics surrounding rescheduling an athletic event on such short notice. And honestly, you had to deal with that in multiple facets this week. First up was Wednesday afternoon, uh, the first place I saw it was via Mike Drago. Mike Drago Sports reported that Wilson's game that was supposed to be at the Germantown Super Site against Martin Luther King had been canceled because of the heat advisory going on uh, around the region. 
How did that come about? When did you find out that Wilson MLK wasn't going to happen? Yeah, so I guess it was uh, probably about some point Wednesday afternoon when I received the phone call from the MLK athletic director um, informing me that the um, Philadelphia School District had basically shut down all of their uh, extracurricular activities um, for Thursday and Friday. So um, obviously that impacted our football game. And um, at that point, it set the uh, wheels in motion to try to come up with a plan B. And um, and that's what we did. Yeah, I think it's just real quick, something to point out, not obviously to you, Drew, but uh, to some of our listeners, I know because we, we tried to clarify this every chance we got. It wasn't necessarily an MLK decision. This was a um, broader uh, Philadelphia school district or, you know, bigger than this single high school. It was kind of across all of district 12, the public schools um, had, had the same thing. And so, yeah, we, we tried to clarify that. Cause I know there's some people, well, MLK made that decision. No, it's not that simple. Like, you know um, it, I think it was a bigger issue than, than some of the people were, were realizing. Yeah. Yeah. Justin, you're absolutely correct. I know that, um, MLK was really disappointed that they were unable to host us. They were really looking forward to having us down there. They thought it would be a great thing for their community. Um, you know, our marching band was going to be in attendance, so they were excited to host them as well and put on a great show. Um, so they were really disappointed when, um, when we were unable to play this week. And, um, you know, we did try to work with them to, to play it on Saturday or, or even, even tomorrow. And, um, circumstances just just didn't work out with them so uh, that's why we had to search elsewhere so when it became clear that it just wasn't going to work out with martin luther king what were the next steps was that something you needed to reach out to to doug about uh who's all involved in that process of finding a replacement game on such short notice yeah obviously doug doug's been doing this a long time so i i relied on him very heavily for for his connections and his contacts you know, I think our first search was to check out, you know, other schools that were impacted maybe by that Philadelphia school district decision um, to find out who, who may be looking for a game. And we had a couple leads and, you know, on certain websites that said, you know, that their games were canceled. And we reached out to some of those folks and got a response saying, well, we haven't been told that we're not playing yet. So I don't know where the information came from on some of those websites, but it made it pretty challenging to find to find a good opponent. Um, but uh, actually, the MLK AD was one who um, pointed me towards Cheltenham. Um, so anytime I get leads like that, I reach out to Doug and, and get his feedback. And again, he does he does a lot of reaching out as well um, through his coaching connections, and and he's able to help help this process move along as well. Do you have to establish some kind of um, hierarchy or order of operations as you get these schools that are possibilities? Or how do you go about reaching out to these schools? Is there an order like this is option A, we'd really like this one. If they can't do it, you move to option B? Or do you kind of put a lot of feelers out at one time and go from whoever responds? Yeah, it, it kind of works in, in, in both fashions. I do talk to Doug if he has, you know, if we've got several leads, I'll, I'll find out if there is one that he prefers to play over the other. Um, and, and we'll reach out to them and kind of just go down the list from there. Um, sometimes, though, also it'll just, you know, put out those feelers. And, and I'm usually pretty upfront with those ADs saying, hey, I, I've sent the same thing to another school and I'm kind of just looking for the first response. Um, and and we'll, take, we'll, we'll take some games that way. But 
Um, but yeah, we did we did quite a bit of searching and, and ultimately landed on on Cheltenham and and they've been great to work with um, throughout this process as well, which um, hasn't ended quite yet, but uh, hopefully <laughs> it will tomorrow. Yeah, really, it's uh, it's something to uh, have to deal with that Wednesday and Thursday to even find an opponent and then come to an agreement. I think the biggest thing that people are interested in right now is how was the decision made for Wilson to host? Because the Bulldogs were supposed to be traveling this week, going to MLK. Uh, I believe I think Cheltenham was also supposed to host Link- Lincoln. Was I think the school they were yeah, playing? Yeah, I think Abraham Lincoln. So hosting. how was yeah. it that Wilson ended up hosting this game? Well, and also just real quick with that, what goes into that the logistics because you talk about you know now it like at what point did you know we were going to be hosting and not going away because i guess the logistics behind that are a completely different set of things you have to organize yeah they sure are obviously when you're not when you're not prepared to or expecting to host a home game um the logistics become a bit challenging once you find out um you know that you're hosting a home game within you know less than 48 hours probably um, so again, a lot of the, the, the home versus away thing worked out with coach Dom's talking to their coach. And then, you know, that's, that's really helpful from an AD's perspective when the coaches get together and kind of settle on something, it makes it a lot easier for the ADs to say, okay, Hey, our coaches have pretty much agreed on this and, and let's make it work out. So, you know, that's kind of where it started from with Doug, uh, talking to their coach. And then I spoke with their AD and, and thankfully they were willing to travel to us and, um, were able to get their, their transportation lined up pretty quickly. Um, and then it turned to us in terms of, of putting together, um, you know, our game day helpers and, and securing officials and, um, and making it all come together in, in a short period of time. Were there any, any hiccups with those logistics or, or was the, the officials the most difficult part of that because of the, the site change, the, the game change, um, what what was the most dis- difficult aspect once the, the opponent and location was determined? Um, what was the, the toughest thing to uh, figure out? Yeah, we were fortunate in that, you know, because it was such short notice, we didn't really look to Friday night um, so much as we did Saturday. And that was helpful because obviously you got a lot more games on Friday night than you do on Saturday. Um, so the availability of officials on Saturday um, worked out in our favor and, and we were able to get a good varsity crew in, in short order. Um, our people at Wilson are amazing. Um, their willingness to help on such short notice. And this isn't just, you know, this past weekend, you know, we, we go through these challenges with, with many sports. Uh, a lot of that's in the springtime, but, uh, sometimes in the fall as well. And, and, and our people stepping up and, you know, giving up their time on short notice. And in last night's case, now, you know, some terrible conditions that they had to, to wait out. Uh, I can't say enough about, uh, about our people from, from our athletic trainers who never ask a question. They just show up and and are always there Um, to all of our game workers. um, It's just an, an amazing team effort. And we're fortunate to have, the people that we do working at Wilson and, and it certainly makes my life a lot easier and I appreciate them immensely. Yeah. We've touched on it and alluded to it a bunch, but the replacement game, the rescheduled game that kicked was supposed to kick off yesterday at six o'clock got pushed back and then eventually delayed in the early second quarter to be resumed tomorrow. <laughs> Weather is something that really always throws wrenches into uh, sports scheduling and completing these competitions. How do you go about 
rescheduling a game that gets paused like that and you know you can't finish the day the game began, that you have to move it to another day. What are the logistics behind that? Yeah, it's it's quite the challenge. And, and I don't think a lot of people realize quite the magnitude that goes into just pulling off, you know, hosting a game on the next available day. People think, well, okay, it's Saturday night. We're probably not going to play Sunday. We'll see you Monday. But there's a lot more considerations that have to be taken into account. Um, first and foremost, again, can Cheltenham get here on Monday? Can they get buses? I mean, districts across the state and nation are facing a bus driver shortage. So you never know if you know you even have bus drivers available. So that's that's the first question. And then is it well? Can you know what time do you think you can get here? Do you want to come at four o'clock and and get your kids out of school early? you want to get here for a six o'clock kickoff and then they're getting home late again after being home, you know, getting home real late on Saturday night. Um, so you, you secure that with the other team first. And then the next step is the officials. Um, I, I believe there were some games that were probably moved to Monday in addition to ours. Um, but you have a lot of JV contests on Monday. So um, locking up the officials is, is the next step. And, and like I said before, um, you know, figuring out what game workers we have available to us um, is another challenge. And again, we've had people step up and make themselves available for the four o'clock kickoff on Monday. And, you know, we'll have our announcer there. We'll have our clock operator, our scoreboard operator, uh, our chain crew, you know, um, some security folks. So it's, it's, it's a big list of people that you have to go down. I think I've I sent an email out that included close to 50 people today, notifying them of the change and, and trying to make sure they could make it at four o'clock again on very short notice. And to everybody's credit, um, you know, we're going to be able to pull this thing off. And, and again, we couldn't do it without Jeff Simcox and, and our grounds crew. Those guys put in amazing amounts of time before, during and after the game that people don't understand. I mean, they're the ones setting up the stadium um, before the, the game. And then they're the ones there late after the game, cleaning up the trash and putting things away. So again, I'm super lucky to have the team that I do and uh, grateful that we were able to pull this off off. and hopefully weather cooperates tomorrow and we'll be able to get this game in and and hopefully the boys continue to play as well as they did on, on Saturday. Yeah. We would like to see that for sure. Now with the reschedule of the, the postponement of the rescheduled game to Monday, obviously the Wilson JV team will not get to play their game this week. They normally would play on Monday. Were they supposed to still play MLK or what, what was the, what was supposed to happen there? They were that, that one was still on the schedule. We were still planning to send our JV team to MLK. Um, they had JV level officials secured for that game. Um, However, I guess they did not feel comfortable enough to have those same officials potentially officiate our varsity level game. So that's why we couldn't just use those officials and send our varsity team down there on Monday. Um, But we were planning to send our JV team there on Monday. Um, However, like you said, with with the varsity game being played tomorrow, our guys will stay, our JV guys will stay with our our varsity guys and and finish, finish the varsity game tomorrow. And for the community members and the students that want to come to the game tomorrow, there will not be uh, a ticket needed. You don't have to show proof of, well, there, I guess tickets aren't handed out anyways, but you don't have to have any proof of uh, uh, attending the game Saturday and you can come and watch the game uh, without purchasing a ticket tomorrow, correct? That is correct. Um, given the situation last night with the urgency of, of the lightning that was around us and then the downpours that started, 
like you said, we did not issue any type of tickets to people exiting the stadium. We just wanted to get them out of there, hopefully get them into their cars or a safe space as quickly as we could. So we did not issue any tickets. Um, People are welcome to show up tomorrow and catch some, hopefully some good football at no charge to them. So I guess last thing, and this, this goes hand in hand to what we already talked about, about finding a replacement team and moving the game around, but the, the, the rescheduled, game day game time is that kind of the same process that you go through when finding a new opponent or is it also you know the coaches kind of talk but then they bring information to you to make a final decision on day and time to restart a postponed game yeah yeah absolutely and again that kind of just you know it comes from from having those conversations with the coaches that are involved and and the other team's athletic director to try to figure out what what works best for for the students um again on you know, on a Friday night or Saturday night, usually not as big of a deal because, you know, it's the weekend. However, with this being a Monday and a school day, you know, we want to be cognizant of, of, of our opposing team, especially since they have to travel, you know, close to an hour, a half, hour and a half or whatever it might be. Um, we kind of want to work with them as best we can to, to come up with a start time uh, that works well for them. And other than the impact on the Wilson JV football game, which was, was had to be canceled, is there any other trickle down impacts for the Wilson football schedule this week? I, I assume the Wilson Reading game is still going forward on Friday. It is, yep. So uh, obviously the the practice schedule for our guys will be impacted a bit. I know they've got the routine that they like to stick to on a on a month a typical Friday game in preparation. You know, Monday through Thursday. So that'll be that'll be out of sorts for those guys a little bit. Um, but aside from that, no no other impacts to their schedule. Um, just an impact to our campus tomorrow because uh, our campus is usually pretty busy to begin with. And when you throw a varsity football game on top of that, uh, it, it creates quite a bit of, of traffic, both with cars and people. Um, so it'll be a busy day on campus tomorrow. We got a boys soccer game that we had to move from Gursky over to Bulldog Field. That's their youth night. Um, you know, our field hockey team had to adjust their practice schedule. Our, our girls soccer team adjusted their schedule. Uh, again, coaches that kind of see the bigger picture and get along real well with one another and cooperate uh fortunate to have those relationships in place and and they were all very willing to to accommodate us hosting this game so that we could get it in for our guys well excellent information drew especially on the logistics of finding an an opponent on short notice and then working around weather delays and postponements there as well we appreciate you joining us I, i think that's all we have for you unless you have anything else uh you want to throw our way before we let you go no, no, nothing else for me. I, I appreciate you guys. You, you're obviously awesome supporters and promoters of, of Wilson football, and you do a great service for our community, and, and it's really neat for our coaches and our players to have you guys do what you do for them. And, and I appreciate you from my standpoint because you also uh, help me get, get the word out to the community because I know how many followers you guys have. So thank you for all you do, and I appreciate you having me on. Well, thank you very much, Yeah, Drew. thank you very much. We appreciate those kind words, and I'm glad we could finally uh, connect on the show, and hopefully sometime soon we can get you here in person to talk a little bit more about uh, the broader scope of uh, what you and your administrative assistant, uh, Jen, do for, uh, for the student-athletes at the school. Yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. I look forward to doing that one day. All right. Thank you very much, Drew. Have Thanks a good again. night. Thanks, guys. I'm sure I'll see you tomorrow. All right. You absolutely know you will. <laughs> All right. Go All right. dogs. <laughs>
All right. Well, excellent uh, interview to start the show with Wilson Athletic Director Drew Kaufman. I just thought it would be interesting since we don't have a full game to talk about tonight, Justin, kind of get that inside look at the logistics of a canceled game, short notice, trying to find a replacement, having to move the day of the game from Friday to Saturday, and then on top of that, having weather delay the start of it, then postpone it completely to the entire next week. Right. It's just a lot of moving parts, and I know I, I never want to send a, a lot of messages and emails to Drew when I know that's happening because I know he's dealing with everything he just messaged uh, or just talked to us about. Uh, but eventually, like he alluded to there at the end, I have to let the community know. At some point, I need to have the information as right, well. Right. And he's done a, an amazing job. Like I, I mentioned, the only reason this interview came up is because he included me on the right. messaging to the 50-plus people he's working with to get the logistics down to restart the game tomorrow. So I appreciate uh, him always working with us for so many things uh, for uh, for the program and, and outreach and whatnot. So I hope everyone enjoyed that. We had a lot of uh, watchers and listeners, which is great. We're happy to have you all there. Uh, I know the one uh, comment was about Redding Wilson. Is it getting moved to Saturday? You heard it from the man himself, the guy who would know. Right. Wilson Redding still on for this Friday, September 15th. And the most important part uh, not related to the football game is happening ahead of time because this week is Chad Henny night as brought to you by the Wilson football tradition club. So former Wilson quarterback, Michigan quarterback, 15 year NFL player, two time Super Bowl champion, and now volunteer assistant coach for the Wilson football program. Chad Henny will be on hand pregame for a meet and greet. Again, from the Wilson Football Tradition Club, he will be there to sign autographs and take pictures to fans before the game. Gates open at 5.30 on Friday, and at that point, the line will start. So as soon as Chad is able to join us, we'll get things moving. The the autographs, the, the signings, the pictures, that will only last about an hour. So if you want to meet Chad, get a picture, get an autograph. Be sure to get there when the gates open and get in line because we are going to cut it off because he is a coach. <laughs> we need to get him with the football team so that he can uh, uh, do his duties as an assistant coach with on the staff. So this is not something that's lingering into the game time. Absolutely not. So uh, if you weren't sure how long it was going to last, I'm here to tell you that 530 the line forms and that line will be shut down probably around 630 because we need him to get into the locker room with the team and get ready for the game against the Reading Red Knights, which, you know, Chad, he has no history with, uh, with Reading whatsoever. So, Oh, my gosh. No, it's going to be a great night. Uh, we talked about it a few weeks ago. I don't know if it might have been with Mike last week about uh, Ch- Chad Henney's uh, games with Reading. Yeah. Uh, he played them four times, obviously. Went two and two against them. And very uh, memorable games, probably none more so than his freshman year. Uh, the come- comeback Wilson win in 2000 at Shirk Stadium. I was a sophomore on that team, and uh, that was that was something to, to that was watch. was an exciting one. It, it was a big I, one. I've often referenced it on the show. That was yeah. my, um, this is different <laughs> moment. Uh, it, it, was, it was wild. All right. So that was one big announcement I wanted to get down. Um, I do want to verbally say this, that tonight is also the last night to order the whiteout shirt. The Wilson Football Parents Organization. I've put that graphic up now. The last couple shows today is the last time to pre-order that. It's posted on all the social 
uh, media accounts, so you can find that link there. But make sure you uh, get your whiteout shirt order in. Tonight is the deadline. All right, Justin, let's get back to our normal start of the show. We'll do our, our, our housekeeping here at the beginning. I already mentioned them once because of the the, the uh, hotline call from uh, Athletic Director Drew Kaufman. But do want to thank our Season 9 sponsors at May's Sandwich Shop and White Star Tours, presenting sponsors of the show this season. Appreciate their commitment to helping out the Bulldog Hour. In addition to May's Sandwich Shop, my dad, Bill Mays, and White Star Tours, we also have Mike Drago and MikeDragoSports.com, who uh, was everywhere during this crazy week three. Mike just tweeted out before the show, probably the most hectic week of trying to cover Berks County football in uh, his many decades. I feel like most of the time when the storms have been so widespread, meaning like all over District 3, um... I feel like they were kind of like an all-day event and games were postponed preemptively. Um, that wasn't the case this week so much. Um, games were bumped up. Games were suspended. Games were called. Games, You know, there was there was everything yeah, this week. It was rough. It was tough. So uh, Mike Drago had reporters at every, I think he said, 12 Berks County games. He had... People there at all of them, multiple photographers, and uh, because of the way the Wilson game worked out, he was at Wilson Saturday. Uh, I hope to see him and all of our media partners at Gursky tomorrow at 4 o'clock. And you mentioned it, Drew mentioned it, that there are other games being played on tomorrow as well. I know Hempfield is another one of those that's restarting their game at 4 o'clock. I think Redding and Redline. Redding and Redline, So, like, in terms of... You know, both teams will be playing their games tomorrow, you know, so both teams will be on the short week, you know, going into Friday. Yeah, a little bit more of a level playing ground there since both teams are resuming games at 4 o'clock tomorrow. All right, in addition to Mike, we want to thank the Hop family and our five anonymous donors for their support for Season 9 of the Bulldog Hour. There are many ways you can help us here. Sponsorships, advertising, in-kind donations. Visit the website, bulldoghour.com. And Justin's favorite. Yeah, like and share. Someone actually came up to me this week and said that. And they were like, hey, like and share. <laughs> <laughs> we, well, we do. We, we love when people like and share the accounts, the pages, everything we run. Be sure to subscribe to Wilson Bulldogs Football on YouTube. Um, follow us at Joe Mays and JRAF. That's our sports show that we do outside of high school football season. But that's the only Twitch account we have. And that's where the Bulldog Hour plays on Twitch is Joe Mays and JRAF. And you'll hear more about that show at the end of uh, high school football season. But that is months away. We don't have to worry about that right now. But do uh, like, share, follow, subscribe, and even rate and review if you're listening to this in podcast form. We love to get feedback, especially if it's of the five-star variety. We, we want that very, very much. Our next live show will be one week from now, Sunday, September 17th at 8.30. And we'll be able to give you a final of the Wilson-Cheltenham game and also the Wilson-Reading game. Uh, Barring any weather uh, entanglements, which we hope to avoid for sure. So uh, that was a little update on your schedule. It's this, got... darn, it's this darn summer weather. Right. It's summer, right. So we're two and a quarter-ish of the way through the game schedule. Uh, we'll f- have three quarters of a game left to go tomorrow night and then a full three game eights. Friday. <laughs> Let's get a little bit more specific uh, before we get to uh, the first half of the schedule 
coming to a close. We're already uh, we got Reading in our yeah. spotlight here, and then we're looking ahead to Cedar Crest, and that's coming up on. Yeah, it's kind of crazy next to, show. that we'll have two games finalized, hopefully, <laughs> by the time we come back with our next show. Yeah, so um, Wilson is in the midst of playing against Cheltenham. And we want, we're going to give you a little background on Cheltenham. Obviously, we don't have a lot to say, but they, they're uh, sitting at 0-1 because their first game of the season was halted um, due to an incident at Abington where they were playing their game. So they didn't get to play their first game. And then they lost their second game to Chester. Very, very close game, 22-20. to But obviously, Cheltenham features a very prolific running back in Trey McLeod. And we yeah. already saw what he, what kind of impact he has on the game as he had them moving on the series that they had the ball in the first, what, 15 minutes plus we've seen yeah. of the game so yeah. far. And I'd expect to see a, a bigger dose of him when we resume the game tomorrow. Yeah, I would anticipate him uh, continuing to be a big part of, of what they're planning to do. Um, you know, he's he kind of seems like what makes it work for them. Um, and and you, you definitely already saw glimpses of that. So um, I'd be prepared for heavy doses of, of uh, Trey McLeod. And um, yeah, ho- hopefully... Uh, you know, our guys, well, I'd say hopefully, I know they are. They're going to take into account what they've seen and, and learn from that, too. You know, it, it is one thing. You talk about this a completely unfamiliar opponent that you're going into, um, trying to figure out how that's going to work. And there's just a lot to figure out. We talked to Drew about the logistics, but also for the coaches and things, you know, finding out who you're playing essentially on Thursday for yeah. Saturday. Right. When it's so much we talk about all the preparation and things that go into like it normally um and not being able to go through that routine and also it being unfamiliar you know like it it, i want to say it's easier but like if you're going against one of the section one teams which you know would present its own challenges on on such short notice there's some sense of familiarity there. Right. Like, you know, this is what this team runs. This is what exactly. this team runs, you know, especially if there wasn't like coaching turnover and things like that. Well, you don't have that at all in this case. So yeah. it becomes a, uh, why don't we have that right. at all? Wilson's never played Cheltenham. Right. This is the right. first ever meeting between the schools. So really nothing being known whatsoever. Yeah. So it was a, a wild experience. I'm sure for everyone involved. <laughs> Yeah, and we'll, hopefully you got some insight into that when we talked to Drew, which was great. I'm really happy that he was able to to join us here on the show. But uh, So back to Cheltenham. Obviously, we don't have finalized stats for you or anything yet, no. but we can tell you that the game was paused with eight minutes and two seconds left in the second quarter with Wilson leading the Cheltenham Panthers 26 to nothing. Uh, the lead could have been even bigger. Wilson was stopped on fourth down deep inside the red zone, close to the goal line, weren't able to get the uh, the touchdown. They also missed on two two-point conversion opportunities. So the score sits at 26 to nothing. I'd say so far probably the biggest takeaway was at first the team started a little slow. The, the first two series uh, weren't fantastic, especially that first offensive series. Didn't get enough done, turned the ball over on downs. Cheltenham was able to move the ball a little bit on their first series, but then Wilson started to click. And why were they able to click? The return of Edison Case had a, a, a kind of a, a big deal to it. Uh, I was hyping him up pregame, you know, taking pictures of him warming up to let people know, hey, 
uh, a, one of your playmakers, a guy that we haven't gotten to see yet this season due to his elbow injury, he's coming back tonight. And I think we had been told last week we probably would see him offensively, not yet defensively. Well, he was able to show out offensively, and the chemistry he has with quarterback Tommy Hunsiger was on display immediately. Uh, Eddie scored two of those four touchdowns for the Bulldogs, both big scores. I believe the first one was 77 yards. Yeah, where connection. he caught it and outran everyone. Like that was that was an impressive play. And then the second one was a 34-yard touchdown score. Uh, really, really, really nicely done. Great to see him back out there. Yeah. Obviously, uh, a huge factor in the Wilson offense. Uh, and and for the time being, Eddie is our player of the game, Edison Case. Obviously, stats not final, and I didn't even have all. I believe he had a, at least one more catch in addition I feel to like those he two had touchdowns. Two other catches, but it I'm might not even sure. be two. I'm yeah. not sure. So uh, at this point, Edison Case, the senior wide receiver, is our player of the game. So far, right, right. As we await to see how things go, obviously, um, he couldn't do his component through the air without quarterback Tommy Hunsaker, who picked up right where he left off last week against Central Dolphin. Looked really crisp in the passing game and in the rushing game. He yeah. already has a rushing score and and one uh, offensive player of the week through uh, he Mike did Drago's yeah State. through Mike Drago Sports uh, named Tommy Hunsaker the player of the week in week two for his. Uh, play in the overtime loss to Central Dolphin. Nick Fiorini was the last person to score for the Bulldogs, came crashing through out of the dozer formation to get the score to 26 nothing. So obviously a lot of football left to play, an entire second half plus eight minutes of the second quarter. So hopefully we can see the Bulldogs come out, take care of business, maybe push into that running clock the mercy rule territory and essentially have the second half act kind of like a de facto JV game. That would be nice to see the second unit and those young guys get playing time. That's where we were trending when the play was halted, but obviously you cannot sell Cheltenham short because we've no, seen they've got, what they've been able to do because right. they stymied us on offense initially and they were able to move the ball at times as well. Well, and they've got, they've got the playmakers, um, like we said, they, they've got a, they've got a few guys who can certainly um, make a play, and so if you're not ready to go on on Monday, which it can be hard, especially coming back where you're like, oh well, we've got a lead and we've got that that you can't you got to go out and try and win this 32 minutes of football, you know, um, you know, uh, it, it's going to be a little shorter and more compact and it's going to be weird starting like in the middle of, of a drive or in the middle of a series. But, um, you know, that, that's where I'll give our guys our I'll give our coaching staff, you know, the benefit. I, I am confident that they're going to have the guys as ready as anyone could have their guys ready to go. And in the crazy situation, um, it is one of those things where, you know, Drew alluded to this. Um, while this is a, not a common occurrence, uh, Doug has been around He's plenty of all, these huh? crazy weather situations and, and all this stuff. Maybe not quite like this I was with say, the new opponent. And right. is this a first for game canceled, new opponent, delayed game, delayed start, mid game postponement? That's I, a lot of stuff coming I'm, together. I'm guessing at once. it is, but I feel like whenever we do this stuff with kind of with Coach Dom's like stats, it's kind of like trying to do it with a baseball stat. There aren't too many firsts anymore. You know, it's lots of first time in sixty years, but not necessarily first, first time ever, right? Um, 
And so I, I would have to think it is, though, with all the craziness. You know what I mean? Just all of those things coming together. I, I feel like it has to be a first. Right. Um, you know, so so we'll see. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm – you know, we talked about how the, they only had, you know, a day and a half or two days to prepare. Um well, in, in a little bit of a way, they've had a little bit more time to prepare, but they also, you know, I'd be interested to talk to them. You know, it would be wonderful if they could get a win and we could maybe ask this in some post-game interviews about right. how do you manage the balance of, you know, finishing off and, like, making your adjustments. It's almost like a long halftime. I wonder if they'll go with a shorter halftime tomorrow. I don't know. But, like – um, I, I it, assume it, that both coaches would have to agree to that. Right. Yeah. I, I have no idea. But like if, if you were to go into it and have like, how do you balance making your in-game adjustments, even though it's two days apart versus kind of your normal routine of looking ahead to next week, especially when Reading hasn't completed their last game, so you don't have their latest. You know, the, there's so many moving parts over these. Yeah, there's just so much going on at one what, time. What, it's, 10, 11 days that we're going to look yeah, at. It's so. bonkers. Yeah. It's, it's been something. Yeah, I just remember going through a whole wave of emotions. When, well, first, you uh, directed me to what was happening on Wednesday. Mike Drago posted on Twitter, and you were on top of that and let me know, hey, did you see this? You know what's going on here? And then you said that the coaches, or at least some of them, actually found out via the same method through, you know, almost whispered down the alley between parents and right, kids, right. Uh, students, uh, relaying well, it like, to a few coaches. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, It was I just, a shock to everyone. Right, because you're not expecting that. But in so... You know, it all happened before football practice and stuff on on Wednesday. So, yeah, it was right, uh, like right before. Yeah. This is like two yeah. fifteen, yeah. maybe like some somewhere yeah, around, around there, there when you when Drago tweeted about the MLK game was canceled. Right. So, yeah, it was it was a wacky uh, set of events. I immediately, as soon as that happened, I was trying to finish up work so I could get to West football practice. And I immediately pulled up Eastern PA football and went to the District 12 page and pulled up all the Philly public school teams I could to see who they were playing and who was now available to play. And I texted defensive coordinator Ernie Wolber and told him that Cheltenham was available. Now, they may have already been on top of that, but I knew that the Panthers were going to be a, a team that was available. As was, they're, they're a 6A school. They're right? a 6A school, yeah. That's, so that's that's huge because MLK is actually a 5A. So right. it's actually a step up in terms of classifications, which is a huge impact on the District 3 power ratings. I also mentioned that Archbishop Wood may have been available. Bishop Shanahan, you know, those are Catholic League schools. Archbishop Wood is 6A. I believe Bishop Sanahan is 4A. There were also a couple other smaller schools, you know, 3A, 4A, but I assumed Coach Doms, the staff, they wanted at at minimum a 5A, but working up to a 6A would have been fantastic, and that's why I thought Cheltenham would have been a great option, and lo and behold, here we are about 15 minutes into a game against the Panthers that will continue tomorrow night at four o'clock at Gursky, hopefully with a Wilson victory and uh, maybe more Hunsaker to case connections in the future. 
which would be uh, just just fantastic. But all right, Justin, before we move on to the Reading preview, anything else about the uh, the situation from Wednesday to Saturday? No, it was just kind of crazy. I thought um, the team and coaching staff and the school handled it as well as you could expect. Um, hopefully they can go out tomorrow, be ready to continue what they started on Saturday. So. Yeah, and I just want to echo what you know. Drew thanked all the people that he's been working with, yeah. uh, but I want to thank – uh, him and, and Jen, uh, his administrative assistant, the two of them working tirelessly, I'm sure, uh, all Wednesday, Thursday, and now once again Saturday to Monday to make sure all of this stuff is moving in the proper direction, is organized and thought out and done properly. And here we are. It, the The best thing for those people is to not be needed when the event is happening and that's the way things played out. Um, no, no hiccups on Saturday and, uh, I'm sure the same will be true tomorrow. So appreciate the, uh, the coaching staff and all the administrators and everyone connected to the two for making sure that the team had a game and we finish it in a proper fashion. Um, maybe a few days after it was supposed to be finalized. (laughs) That's just the way it goes sometimes, but uh, that's it for week three or the weird week three. We're going to put a bow on that or at least put a pin in it until tomorrow. Again, we're not having an after game show tomorrow. Maybe, maybe we, uh, oh, I hate to put the the players and coaches on the spot to do a live interview with them. I think we did that once before, but I probably would avoid that, but maybe we'll tweet out. We'll try to keep it short. And we'll send out uh, tweets of the interviews after the fact, if the Bulldogs win tomorrow and we talk to a few players and a couple coaches, Stay tuned to the Wilson Bulldogs football Bulldog Hour social media accounts for post-game reaction tomorrow. All right, so the Bulldogs have another game this coming Friday, September 15th, against the Reading Red Knights. Second year in a row, the Bulldogs and Reading football teams are in the same classification within the Lancaster Lebanon League after the Burks merger last year. The, the series has been played fairly often, although there was a a 10-year break up until the current uh, matchups happening now. This will be the 31st matchup. Wilson leads the series 25-5 to so far. The Bulldogs got the victory last year on September 16th in Reading at Shirk Stadium, 48-6. to That game Justin and I were at, and we saw the teams play to a 0-0 tie after the first quarter before the Cam Jones show took over in quarter two. And uh, Wilson really started to put up points, including two punt returns for a score from Mr. Jones, now playing for Holy Cross, who nearly pulled off the upset I against know. Boston College really yes- for yesterday. Uh, so that Wilson win was 48-6 to a year ago. The last Reading win in the series was way back on October 24th, 2003, and I'm sure many of you Wilson fans remember that one. It was when James Bryan and his Reading teammates, including, I believe, current head coach Troy Godinet, playing linebacker on that team, came to Gursky and beat Chad Henney and the Bulldogs 44-2. to Yeah. It was uh, not a great night for the Wilson football team, but that was the last time Redding would win a game in this series, so the Bulldogs will look to continue that streak on Friday night. I mentioned uh, head coach Troy. Uh, in his second season with Redding now, they were 3-7 and seven a year ago. Graduated a lot of skill talent, but they have reloaded in that uh, aspect so far. They're, they sit at this season – one and one, they lost in week one to CD East at home, 55 to six. But then they hosted 
Muhlenberg in one of their rivalry games and were able to defeat the Mules 25-7 to in Week 2. And you heard Justin mention they are supposed to be playing Red Lion in Week 3, and that game was moved up earlier Friday, eventually called because of storms, and will be resuming tomorrow. So Redding and Red Lion, that game is not completed, so Redding currently sits at 1-1. One and one. They return all of their linemen from a year ago, and actually some of them are, are only juniors this year. Lots of big bodies. That is where Coach Troy is really trying to build up the program uh, from within is along the line. And uh, Keyshawn Efesi, Romeo Fuentes, Isaiah Ruiz, Jaden Pinnock, and Zachary Rogers are the guys that uh, are manning the trenches for Redding. But the, you mentioned losing the skill, skill guys, a couple of big basketball stars in Berdine and Rodriguez last year, who Rodriguez was actually co-wide receiver of the year in LL Section 1. Uh, I, we mentioned this, I think, in the, one of our uh, preseason. It might have been when we were talking to Paul. Um, but, like, man, you saw Ruben running around out there, and, like, you're just like, that kid's a D1 athlete. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, Unbelievable. So this year, taking snaps for Redding is quarterback Kaysen Fritz, who's also a threat to run the ball. The main running back is Alexis Alvarado, though Gabriel Law is also getting some carries. Wide receivers tends to get spread around. Jared Santos, Jasheer Drayton, but the big one has so far has been wide receiver and electric kick returner Xavier Beatty uh, returned a kick already for a touchdown, has hauled in uh, quite a few passes from Case and Fritz, and he is a uh, the dynamic playmaker that Redding needed uh, with the graduation of Ruben Rodriguez. So the Red Knights will come to Gursky this Friday, September 15th, for the league opener for both teams, both competing in LL Section 1. So before we leave, Justin, I think maybe just we'll go quickly around part of the LL and just kind of mention some of the other teams that the Bulldogs yeah. have yet to see, starting with Manheim Township, which Wilson won't face until Week 10. That's probably, good. Probably a good thing to get yeah. as much film on them as possible for Wilson to get in they, stride and get some of our players back healthy because yeah, the blue are streaks rolling. are dominating. Yeah. They are absolutely obliterating everyone that they play. They and, were up 31 nothing on Harrisburg. Yeah, right? so and the teams that they're playing, these aren't these aren't pushovers. No. no. These are big time 6A schools that Mannheim Township is just taking to the woodshed. Yeah. Uh, it, it hasn't none of their games have been close no. and the scores they've given up have all been I believe after blue streaks have been up by like 30 points. Yeah. They so had a 30 point lead. They, they, were, they were beating Cumberland Valley 35, nothing. The right. final was 35 yeah. to six. They beat Dallas down 56, nothing at Dallas town. Then they hosted Harrisburg in a game that was moved from Friday to Saturday morning. And they were up, I believe 31, nothing on Mannheim township and ended up winning 38 to six over Harrisburg. And remember last year, Township played Harrisburg in the District 3-6A final, and Harrisburg beat them 44 right, to 6. Right, after they beat them in the regular season. Right, and they, right. We have, we've talked yes. about that before. Yes. Sean Lee didn't play in that game for Harrisburg. I actually think their coach was still serving a suspension at that point. So not everything was clicking for Harrisburg early last season when Mannheim Township won that game in dramatic fashion at Severance in, early in the year. However, this year, Mannheim Township just absolutely – destroying people it, yeah it's what 129 to 12 is that was that fast mass did i do that right i'm not sure it's close to that a lot to a little yeah but wilson does not have to worry about them until october 27th senior well, honestly, night at gursky not sure the starters have given up a point you're probably right 
You're probably right. Um, and things obviously get, get easier for Manheim Township this year. They this week they just happened to play six A Springford, who they themselves are three and zero. That's a monster matchup this week. Also Oof. with a huge win over Cumberland Valley just this past week. They also beat Father Judge and started the season off with a victory over our rivals, Governor Mifflin. So yeah. Springford led by head coach Chad Brubaker down there. So the Rams are going to Mannheim Township, one of four straight road games for Springford. Uh, wow. That's a huge game. 6A yeah. at Township this Friday, 7 o'clock. Whew, that's a big one. But coming back to LL to wind up or wind down here yeah. for us, uh, probably the next most interesting team from the start of the year was Hempfield. Their game at Central York was delayed to 4 o'clock tomorrow as well, okay. so they need to finish that game. That's also a huge game, very interesting to uh, Wilson and other District 3 6A teams because both those teams were playoff teams last year, and Central York is off to an undefeated start as well, beating Central Dolphin in Week 1 and Cumberland Valley in Week 2. So again, not an easy schedule for Central York or Hempfield who suffered their first loss of the season last week against York William Penn. These are all playoff teams playing one another right. to start the season. And, uh, yeah, it's Hempfield sitting at one and one with a close victory over Dallas town and a close loss to William Penn before playing their week three game against central York on Monday, tomorrow. The other one though, Justin, that I want to talk about yeah. is Cedar crest. And yeah. we talked about them last week with yeah. Paul and, or excuse me, with Mike, and uh, we previewed them with Paul a few weeks ago. Neither of them had much to say about the Falcons at the time. I feel like they're everyone kind of thought they were more of the same M- middle tier, not quite on the same level as Wilson, Manheim Township, and Hempfield. But I wasn't buying it. I, I just I nodded and agreed, especially last week because the way they beat CD East on Thursday, August thirty first, thirty three to seven. At uh, Speed Ebersol Stadium, you know, at CD East, that was a eye opener for me. They beat Northeast twenty four nothing. Northeast is in a powerhouse traditionally, so that one was kind of whatever. But beating CD East thirty three to seven. Oh, then they turned around this week, able to get the game finished Saturday morning. They beat Warwick twenty nine to twenty three. Now yeah. I know Warwick's one of those programs in the LL that. Maybe doesn't have a huge tradition and has had some really bad down years, but more often than not recently over the last, what, six, six so seasons, sometimes in section one right now and down in section two, still a really good team. Yeah. It's not one you point at like, that's a, that's a guaranteed win. No, not at all. But what made things even more interesting this year is that Warwick in week one beat Cocalico. Yeah. 17 to 14. And this week, Cocalico whooped Mannheim Central. Cocalico beat Mannheim Central by 20 points in a game that also finished yesterday morning. So, you know, was it a weird week one thing that Cocalico just wasn't clicking yet? Or does this tell me that, you know, I know transitive property doesn't always work in sports. It's all we have to go with right now. But Cedar Crest beat Warwick that's a great win after they beat CD East in dominating fashion, which is also a great win. So Cedar Crest is definitely a team to keep an eye on. And they're definitely one I wanted to mention because right after we play Reading, guess where we go? Cedar Crest. We're going down to Lebanon to play the Falcons on their turf. 
And obviously, we will get going to be our third game in what like seventeen, eighteen days. Yeah, essentially, we will uh, we will get into a deeper Cedar Crest preview soon enough. But that one is has definitely piqued my interest more so than it did even a week ago, and certainly more so than it did a month ago. Uh, and and after that, I mean, things don't get easy for Wilson. Short, weird week playing Cheltenham, finishing tomorrow, then turning around to play Reading, then going to Cedar Crest before coming home to finish September against rival Mifflin, who's looking better and better every yeah. week. And then we got to go to Landisville to take on Hemfield, hoping to avenge our loss from a year ago. So things are about to get very interesting for the Wilson Bulldogs football team. In case it wasn't already after starting 0-2 and having people talk about that, it hasn't happened in 30 years, trying to avoid a 0-3 start for the first time since 1965. Uh, the Bulldogs are on their way to doing that, but we will find out should they avoid 0-3 tomorrow evening, 4 o'clock at Gursky to finish the game against Cheltenham. All right, Justin, anything else for the program this week? No, just hopefully they can uh, keep up the intensity. They, Like you said, the first couple series you know, were a little bumpy, but there's that's almost to be expected in a game where our guys are so used to being so prepped for the game, and there was a limited chance to do that. And then... Hopefully they can really hit their stride tomorrow, like first thing. Like let's let's keep going, keep it moving, um, and then uh, we'll we'll see what we can do. Yeah. So last thing I want to address is someone's asking if the rest of the game will be streamed. I never was able to check in on the huddle cam stream. Yeah, I, I assume it was okay. No one told me it wasn't working. <coughs> will that be streamed? I. Unfortunately, we forgot to ask Drew if that was going to be right. happening. I don't know. I doubt Wilson Media Productions will be de- there to do their you know, multi-cam setup, which is always fantastic. Hopefully, the huddle stream will be back online to finish the game. If not, if I can find someone to walk around the uh, stadium with my iPad, we'll have to resort to that. It's not the best option, but at least it's something. Right. So th- will there be a stream? There will be something resembling a stream, I can say for sure, whether it's an iPad broadcast or if it's the huddle cam. But uh, yes, there should be a game stream. And the rest of Wilson's home games should be streamed as well. I expect Wilson Media Productions to be there for the game against Reading, Mifflin, Penn Manor, and Mannheim Township. So um, I think that is it. I think that covers everything. But appreciate the support from everyone. And, uh, oh, Justin and I uh, joked, but I really wanted to uh, just put all the coaches on the spot when we were hanging out during the rain delays and just say, hey, we're going to go live right now. We're just going to you know, talk <laughs> football. We're going to open up the floor to uh, the community, ask coaches. It's all going to be live. Gonna say, uh, good, good way for us to find ourselves not welcome back. Right, to, yeah. uh, Sorry, you're no longer able to come up to the coach's <laughs> den uh, for – <laughs> for for weather delays you have to stay outside right, right. in the pouring rain at uh-huh. points it's i thought it was raining sideways yeah. so all right yeah that's it that's it for us we are done now so uh, good luck to the bulldogs team tomorrow finish strong and then get back on track and get ready for reading so i think that's it just anything else uh no all right just remember next week or this Friday just 5 days is Chad Henney night Wilson football tradition clubs event for this season Gates open at 5.30. Line starts then. We'll get an hour or so with Chad. Come and uh, hang out with the two-time Super Bowl champion. And uh, we appreciate everyone's support, both of that event and this show here. So uh, for Justin Raffoff and the Wilson football program, I'm Joe Mays. And until next time, remember, go go Bulldogs. Bulldogs.
Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Bulldog Hour. Want more Wilson football? Follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Or visit www.bulldoghour.com. The Bulldog Hour is a feature program on jmnjrradio.com.